Hi, this is Carrie Ann Reed Brown, and this is Carry On Friends, the Caribbean American podcast. Everyone, welcome to another episode of Carry On Friends, the Caribbean American podcast. I'm excited that you're listening. I'm glad you're going to get a little peek of a conversation with someone who I know, um, as we would say in the Caribbean, donkey years now. But anyway, I don't want to take away anything from my guest today, who is Mark Anthony Hill, artist. Mark, welcome to the show. How are you doing this morning? Well, it's a pleasure to be here. You know? um, I'm okay. I'm doing great. Good, Hoping good, to good. do better. All right. That's, a, that's how we're working on, right? Trying to get better. So, Mark, tell the community, the people, I'm a little bit about who you are, Caribbean country you represent, and all that good stuff. Well, my name is Mark Anthony Hill. I'm originally from Jamaica, fully bred. Um, came to live in the United States in 2007. And um, we are just, well, I am just trying to, to explore and to find my my better half or my better side, you know, mm. trying to get a hold of the, the, the doppelganger, as we would call it. And presently, I'm now in New York doing a host of things where art, what we call contemporary art, is concerned. So we are trying to add a little bit more value to ourselves and to get our creative talent noticed mm. in this world. All right. So tell me a little bit about the type of art you do and specifically the art that's on display right now in New York. Well, the type of art I am doing right now, <laughs> I really don't like to label, but we have to label in order to understand difference. Yeah. And um, I would have to go in depth, maybe a minute worth of explanation. Some people call it cubism. Some people call it Africanism, but it is a mixture of both. You know, I really don't give it a name. I allow the onlooker to give it a name, whatever they, they choose. But really and truly, I was more caught up in the, in the Eurocentric type of painting because that was how we were taught. Mm. And um, once I shed that old self, I chose to get involved in with studying a little bit more European art and African art. And what I grew to understand was the Europeans were heavily influenced by African art, but they didn't give it any credit because they deemed it as primitive. But it was from African art that we know of a particular art form that was created or that was stolen by Pablo Picasso. We know it now as Cubism, but it is really and truly African art. So what I'm doing now is merging the two together, African art along with Eurocentric art. So I really and truly don't have a name for it. I wanted to call it Marxism, but that may sound a little bit too aloof. Mm. So I'm leaving it for the onlookers to, to deal with that or to, to consider it where they want to put it. So now we are in, in New York and we are doing the 100th anniversary of the Harlem Renaissance the movement that took place back in the in 1900 up until around 1946, where the, the, the intellect of black people was brought to the forefront of the world. Mm -hmm. And the movement that took place with the Harlem Renaissance, people like Marcus Garvey, Claude McKay, W.E.B. Du Bois, Langston Hughes, the great Zora Neale Hurston, 
and quite a few others, Elaine Locke, you know. So it, 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 it was a vibrant time. So I'm just trying to paint the vibrancy of, of, of what it was back then rather than to paint the individual who created the movement itself. Because we all know the movement is always greater than the individual. Yes. Right. So we are just, I'm just doing that now to show some form of Hannah and, um, as Coffee would said, gratitude. Yeah. In term, yes, in, in terms of what our four parents had in store for us and where we are now. So it, it, it is just basically some form of retrospection and introspection. In, in terms of the movement and where we are now as, as, as black people. All right. So, Mark, you talked about the arts. I'm excited about the work that you're doing. And, <laughs> you know, in show notes, you know, I'll put some pictures of it. But, you know, everybody, I know Mark long time, about 20 odd years now, I know Mark. So, Mark, <laughs> really, and, and boy, home for us, like how you get to this point, because everybody has to understand when I, when, when I lived in Jamaica, Moby specifically, I know Mark, you know, and, you know, we used to hang out on Saturdays and, you know, then separately, I remember I know your aunt and your cousins, you know, went to church together. <laughs> and so we go yeah, way, yeah. way back. And I know Mark <laughs> as the baller, the footballer who scored <laughs> big goal, the D cup, the Costa cup, you know, <laughs> for Cornwall College and so Mark what was what's the transition from being a baller to now being the artist let's talk a little bit about the transition from you from Cornwall College superstar footballer to you being an artist talking about the shedding of old self and reflection like let's talk about that because a whole heap to unpack right there so right so while while I was playing um, football in high school, that was, that was just another side of me. But I started playing football very late in life. I could play it. I knew I could. But the love for it wasn't there because I was always into art. Mm. But not, not the painting side of it. I was more, I was more, I recognized that I was very creative from the age of, let us say, 10. You know, so did it in primary school and the teacher was always upset oh you're always creating some stuff and you're, you're writing this way because i was always creating some different form of joining up our what we would call scripts you know she would, oh mark you're always doing that doing that so anyway it, it went on to the point where she accepted it and she said to me you know you need to really pay attention to this creative side but you know they say hindsight is what makes us genius mm. And, you know, I never understood what she was saying at the time. So when I passed my exam and I went to Cornwall, that was where I met up on this Rastafarian who was my art teacher. But he wasn't only teaching art. He was teaching everything. Bio, chemistry, physics, life, reality. He, he, he just had that, what, what we would call um, exuberance about himself that was very contagious. So I fall in love more now because I'm recognizing that this is where I want to be. So the football didn't come in as yet until one day he said to me, look, I saw you playing on the field during physical education and you really do have a talent to play and I think you should consider it. It's not going to take away from your art, but you should consider it because that is just a gift that God blessed you with as well. You're just one of the few that have more than one talent. So I said, okay, cool. And I went and... You know, we played the football for a while and it, it was, I achieved a lot out of it. 
because after school, then I went into the national program where I was a part of the, the, the national under 23 youth program. But then it, it got boring. And my high school coach came to me and said to me, ah, listen, how would you like to do the bobsled? And I'm bobsled. like, what, 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 what the hell is a bobsled? And he said to me, have you ever heard of school runnings? And I was like, what the hell is school runnings? You know, I've, I've never seen it. But I never knew that school runnings was one of the biggest committees about the Jamaican bobsled team. Because at the time, I think Free Willy was number one at the box office. Mm. And cool runnings overtook it. You know, so I had to go to the video store, rent a video cassette, and I'm watching cool runnings. And I'm like, oh my God, I have to go to these cold countries on this ice. And yeah. cut, cut a long story short, I went back to him and I was like, okay, I'm ready to do it. So I was always, I wasn't aware of it. You know, but it's, it, it is just, it is funny how we can move so unconscious in our own conscious state. Mm. You know, because all, all these potential, it was there, but I never recognized it. So, went to Europe, first time traveling, and I recognized that, okay, life is really a challenge. It was very challenging, but I understood that there is something about comfort that I don't like, and I really and truly believe that comfort can really hold a person back. It prevents them from becoming their better self, because I've always viewed individuals as an onion with different layers, but you have to be willing to push yourself through the tribulation and the uncomfortableness to go deep inside yourself to find that side of you that you have never known for a fact that you have. Yeah. You know, you know so, stretching is, stretching is not comfortable. You know, it's it, 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 like it's a comfort, you know, when you have to step outside your comfort zone, it's, it's an unknown and we like, we like the, the known. We right. really, yeah. we like the known so we're not stretch and we're not grow because we're not like to take risk. <laughs> Right, you know, so, yeah, so after that, um, I, I started bobsledding in 1999. I started training in 1998. Then in 1999, I went away and um, I was doing some training in, in, in Austria, in Norway. And I had a major accident there in Norway. I, the sled overturned with us and um, it, it, create a, it, it created a lot of facial damage to mm. me. And yeah, I was in surgery for almost eight hours. Wow. You know, I picked, yeah, over 350 stitches to the face. And um, it, it, it was a moment of, okay, how, how do I maneuver now? Do I go back or do I run away? So I decided that I'm not going to run away because it's fear. And I, in order to defeat the fear, I, I will have to confront it. So I confronted it and I went back. And I became better at it and better at it. And, I'm, and I'm, I recognized that I was getting even more better. But then again, it got, it got monotonous, the traveling, yeah. because I was traveling for like 10 years, living out of suitcase here and there, all over in Europe. Mm-hmm. That monotonous, I got tired of it. So I said, no, 2006, I'm, I'm done, the last. Came to the United States in 2007. And while I was here, I was still painting, but no one was seeing the work. So, I got introduced to do a uh, group exhibition in, uh, in Boca Raton in South Florida. Now, mind you, these people have not seen the work. They have never seen me in action where painting is concerned. So they are basically oblivious. And the curator of the exhibition asked the person who told me about the, the exhibition 
have you ever seen his work? And they were like, no. No, <clears throat> they asked to see the work. I sent the works over to them and they called for a meeting and they were like, Mark, listen, we can't use you in this exhibition. And I was like, okay, why? Because I take things at face value. Yeah. I don't add things to things. I just, I don't do that because I can be wrong and it may be 100 miles away from what I'm thinking. So I said to the person, okay, why would you not have me a part of this exhibition? And she said to me, number one, you're from Jamaica, is number one. Number two, you're an orthodox hmm. in your style. And number three, you're a Jamaican bobsledder. We have invested heavily in our artists. So for us to put you on the show, the power that you're coming with, you're not only going to subdue our artists, but you are going to get all the attention and hmm. we can't afford that, which was honest. I respected her honesty because I understood it. it's a business. Mm-hmm. And I took it and I said, okay, the political feeling, this art world is a little bit different. So I'm going to break away from it and let it rest for a little while until, until I am into the right field where I'm getting in contact with the right person to do things in the art world politically because art is very political. So I stopped for like six, six years or six, seven years, but I was still fooling around, not doing it big time. And then something else happened. I was working, but this time I was working with a particular hospital transporting organ. So while I'm doing that, I'm saying to myself, oh, wow, I can't, I can't live in a house doing this because I was constantly on the road. So I bought myself a van and I transformed the van into a, into a mobile home because I was constantly on the road going to the research centers, mm-hmm. delivering this, delivering that and what have you. So I recognized that, okay, I need to get back into painting. But how am I going to do it? Because, you know, I'm, I'm strapped for time. But I have to make it work because, again, I don't like to feel comfortable. It, 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 it just doesn't feel right, comfort, for some apparent reason. And a lawyer friend of mine called me and he was like, hey, Mark, how would you like to start painting again? I was like, okay, cool, but let, let me think about it. And he kept on calling and he just wouldn't give up. He kept on calling and calling and calling and calling and calling. And one day he said to me, hey, listen, this is what I wanted to do. I need you to go to Home Depot and take everything that you need and have them call me. I'm going to set up an account immediately and I'm going to pay for the materials that you need. Right there and then I know I was in. There, mm-hmm. there is no more backing out. So he caught me and yeah. it took off from there. So the works were getting done, but no. What am I going to do with all these works? Mm. I don't know. So I called him to New York City and I spoke with a particular person and he was saying, well, to get our spot in order to host your exhibition, it's going to cost $12,000. I was like, oh, wow, I don't have $12,000. Right, but I need to get that $12,000. So guess what? I decided that I was just going to live on the road. I sat and I figured it out. I said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to join the gym. I'm going to pay $10 a month. This is where I'm going to brush my teeth. This is where I'm going to have a shower. And I'm going to live on the road in my van. Because I need to save this money to get this exhibition. And I did it. It took me six months to allocate all that money. Then I called back the person and I said, I'm ready. And that was in 2017. My first solar exhibition was 2017. You know, but I knew I had that drive 
just to get in that 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 untouched part of me that is there and it is not awakened. Mm -hmm. So I had to do something in order to get it out. Mm. But I had to push myself as well, you know, self-motivation, intrinsically. So you I know, did it. May I have to stop you right there, sir? Because as, as, I, as you're going through the story, I'm want, I want you to tell this. I'm glad you're telling the story because up here, no, it's me the right, right? But okay. I just need to stop you right there, sir, because there's this thing you keep talking about, which I think is very important. And I want, to, I want you to think about comfort you talk about it and i know what it is another word is complacency right mm -hmm. and back in the day guess what they would have called you can't stand study you know you can't stay still <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah because there's this thing and it's very hard to explain to people who have not experienced it when when there's this thing about you can't sit in a place because you know you're supposed to be doing something so it always seem like you're all over the place and distracted now, what do you think was part of your childhood that encouraged this ability to be okay with not being comfortable and to most importantly, be okay with not, you talked about label and you know, like labels, but labels is important for understanding. But when you talk about Jamaican culture as a whole, you know, the braggadocia of the culture, we, we love it, but it's also, you know, you know what it is. You're mm -hmm. a big baller, you're a college man, Cornwall College, those. So being Jamaican, being, you know, Cornwall College, D-Cup, all of these things carry a title. And, you know, you, you, you just tell me, say, you're doing the gym so you can live on the road, you can brush your teeth and beard. And, you know, mm -hmm. so you have to be in a place where you, you shed these mm -hmm. titles or this, this, what you call, what may you call, this, this um appearance or what you should be or all of these things it's like you mm -hmm. you resist that so how are you how were you able to be okay with that considering your peers because i don't know about anybody else who was who was going to do all of this so right what about your childhood if anything what about it in you know really had this influence to say you know what yeah music play a ball but you know for you to admit i'm never really into it like that i mean how how can you say that? Suck football at a king. So, you know, and then you left football gone play. I mean, we can't mm -hmm. hear this story. Spoon up a madman. Ooh, but yes, now we're in a witch. Yes, 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 yes. You know, so so tell me a little bit about that because the story is amazing, but what's in your life, your childhood, and nurtured that ability to to say, yeah, okay. Me, me like art was it the art teacher and how he moved that inspired you influenced you talk a little bit about that well okay so I, I remember as far back as maybe seven years old that is how far I can go back you know and um I think there is a reason for that because they say children don't forget at age seven mm -hmm. they, they, yeah they really don't forget as long as they reach age seven moving up so <clears throat> I think that side of me was always there, but I, there was no one around me who could put it in perspective for me to understand what it was really. Because I can recall, I used to have cousins who used to say to me, you're always doing so much things. Why can't you stick to one thing? And I remember at one point in time, an aunt, aunt of mine said to me, 
a man of many trades is the master of none. And these are some of the these are some of the, the narratives that we really and truly have to be careful yeah. of how we bestowed those things of upon course. our children. Because, right, we because, internalize them and then we, right, they're on autopilot. Yeah, you know, because right, we talk know? about, you know, how many times, you know, seen and um, be seen and not heard or speak yeah. when you're spoke. Like you spoken internalize right. these things and, you know, the brain takes over and you don't have to think about it. The brain just says, oh, that's the message. Okay, boom, mm. autopilot. Mm. You, you, like you, you said it perfectly. We move yeah. unconsciously in our conscious state. Yes. Yeah. So you know, even so in our conscious state, we move unconsciously based consciously. on those cues. Yes. That we were yeah. given as children. Yeah, because what that is doing, you know, what, what that was doing at the time, now that I can put it in perspective, you're, you're, she, that means I should kill my limitless possibilities mm-hmm. and just focus on one thing, which is not correct. Because when I'm on the road driving, there are so many things I have to be focusing on in order not to meet in an accident or to hit somebody or to run the light or you get what I'm getting. So, mm-hmm. When I went to Cornwall College, that was where the art teacher became that molding factor. Because what he could do very well, he mastered the art of breaking things down in theory. Mm -hmm. So he would not only say to me, one plus one is two. He would break it down and tell me why one plus one becomes two. So the teaching was very different. It was totally different. And that was where my confidence began to metastasize and grow and grow. And he would say to me, don't get comfortable. It prevents growth. Don't get comfortable. Not because you're good at what you're doing. Always practice. Don't just accept it for what it is. Always practice. And as soon as you have mastered that goal, you moved on to another thing because that job is done. He was the only one at the time speaking to me like that. Mm. So my level was already 30 years old at age 12. Mm. Because my friends weren't in art. They weren't around him. So my, my mentality was really and truly different to the point where I was not going to um, project my mentality on them. It is, it is up to them to really get to understand Okay, this is where Mark is at mentally. Do I want to go there or do I not want to go there? And they, they, they choose not to for whatsoever reason, which is okay. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's no big deal. I am where I'm at now, and I can always look back at it in, in, in what you would call some form of sequential fashion to say, okay, this happened at this time, this happened at this time. So the art teacher really and truly played this part in creating that that perfect ice got set when I was in in his company. It it, it just became like a match made in heaven. And, and it was that also, was when no and ahead. it was also at a formidable stage, right? Because the experience with the art teacher that you have, a lot of people don't get to experience that until later in life. And by then it's harder to break some of the habits or the, 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 the mindsets that you have from young, right? So he got you right. at a really, you know, w- when, when you're, you're, you are still forming, you know, your thoughts right. and your, so, so I think that was 
are really amazing. Now, my head myself, I should have that the art teacher, Alvaro. Yes, and, and another thing, too. I mean, this was the only teacher who, who ever, who ever really said to me, saying, Love me. Mm. The only, yeah, and I'm sure it in so many ways, it really made me feel like, okay, because remember, my father wasn't around, so that love that I needed in, the ter in terms of guidance and, and in terms of being that moral compass, it was the art teacher who was, who was playing that role because he, he always said to me, you're going to be a force to reckon with, with your art, you know. I wanted to believe that because I believed in you. Mm. So he, he, he was the one saying, he really pushed it in my head to say, look, I love you and I'm very proud of you. Because you don't know in Jamaica, anytime we hear a next man tell a next man say love him, we, we start thinking all type of things and, mm -hmm. you know, it don't really go the way we really wanted to go. But, you know, that was when everything got the way, how it, you know, how it all got formulated and things. It, it was, it was in that realm. To this day, we are, we are still, you know. That was about good. to be my next question. Like, where's that art teacher right now? <laughs> and, you know, can yeah, he, 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 He's living now in, in Chester Castle because he retired from, from, um, from teaching in Carnal College. Yeah, but, but he's doing his own thing, you know. Beautiful soul. Beautiful soul. Beautiful soul. I, I don't know of anyone who have ever said anything bad about that, that teacher. He was so contagious. That man was so contagious to the point where you will not go to class. It's that, it is that good. Mm. Very contagious, you know. Mm. and fair and honest you know he, he, he's not going to spoil you and he's not if you're in the wrong he's going to break it down to you he was never one to embarrass in public you know he pull you to the side and he say this is what i think you 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 have, you have really and truly put me in a position where i'm a bitch i'm a bit shame but i still love you regardless so next time don't do it that way do it this way so he, he became that corrective script he was not only a teacher, you know, he was everything. He was a father figure. He was a friend. He was, Mr. Clark was everything. Clyde Clark was everything. I'm telling you, everything. He really molded my confidence in such a way I didn't have to question it. It was you that know, good. You <laughs> know, that's the power of the influence of a really good teacher. And, you know, and, and I think, you know, him giving you this, this important nugget you know, comfort prevents growth. And I think a lot of times uh, comfort can also mean that you're comfortable with the status quo, right? This mm. is, like, like we say, you know, bala, bala, you're supposed to have this bravado and <laughs> yelling yeah. a bungle and all of yes, them things. Yes, 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 <laughs> you understand? And, yeah. you know, that's part of the status quo, but you were able to say, you know what, this is enough for me. Mega, mega stretch because you went and you watched the video of um the cool runnings cool and decide running. to to <laughs> to take the leap and go Norway and you know Norway probably cooler than over here in New yeah, York and, yeah. you know to 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 move from football to bobsled and even after your accident you decide that okay mega go back and try it until you say you know what I've given I've I've grown I've practice and i've given it my all and know it's time to move so yeah as a as a parent right mm. um how how do you parent differently because i like to think you know that my parents grandparents did the best with the tools they had available to them so now right. that we know better we have to do better 
And right. we're not, I can admit that sometimes I don't always do it. Sometimes I catch myself, I behave like my mother. But yeah. how do you then teach your son yeah. Yeah. a new, a different <laughs> way and give him the same, yes, the same yes, yes. Um, canvas or, or, yeah. or freedom that Mr. Clark gave you? Right. Um, that's a very good question, you know. It's a very good question, and, and it is a very interesting question. Um, one of the first things I try to ensure in my son is, the, is to have confidence in his ability. I've always made sure of that. I, I, I don't kill his confidence nor his ability. Second, I don't shout at my child. I don't do it, and I don't beat. I have different methods in how I do things because I'm saying to myself, if I have to constantly beat him every time he's doing something wrong, when will the beating end? So I had to go back in history and see how and where this all got created, where we use beating as this tool for correction. Some people do it. I don't have a problem with how they choose the parent. I personally don't go that route. And I remember there was this woman who said to me, um, you spare the rod and you spoil the child, which, which is a highly misquoted narrative because nowhere in the Bible did it say that because we all know that the rod was used to guide the mm -hmm. sheep. Mm -hmm. It's not used to inflict wound on the sheep, mm -hmm. but also the rod is used to protect the sheep from the wolves. Mm -hmm. So I had to dig deep and said, okay, parenting is going to teach us more about ourselves, ourselves than, yeah. than our children. Mm -hmm. How am I going to do it? Then I start to ensure him that, listen, you mean a lot to me. You are my other half. You are a representation of me. You are my DNA. And you do mean a lot to me. And I love you. So I have to reassure him constantly that it is okay for a father to love his son. Because a father telling his son or his daughter that he loves them, it reassures their confidence. Mm -hmm. because it is needed. So I had to implement all those things. But there are times when, when I have to be stern, but also number one priority for me is to be his friend, is to be his friend. That is my number one priority because that is the relationship I want to have with him, a friend relationship where he is not scared to say or tell me anything. Right there, so somebody kissed their teeth. Madam mother, madam father. Yeah, but as I've said to you, it is okay. We all parent differently. I'm speaking in terms of what works for me because I understand perpetual history. And that is the reason why we have to go back in history to see how did we reach here. A lot of us, we really don't want to go back, especially when it has to deal, when it has to deal with introspection. It's troubling to go back. It's very troubling to face yourself introspectively and retrospectively it's very hard so i understand i'm not upset when people say oh well i'm the father and i'm the mother and i have to do and i say okay cool because guess what happened i can show you plenty of people who can just say to you i'm a daughter that and i'm a son that but there's no relationship right that is That's true can't say. i'm a mother that and i'm a father that and there is no relationship if you ask them if they love them parent them can't tell you you know most of us in jamaica we don't deal with love what we deal with is survival. Yeah. That is our 
Cote in Jamaica, we deal with survival, we don't deal with love. So it is a problem for even when you talk to a little youth or a 12 and ask him if he loves his father. He looks for yourself, I'm in a love man. Mm. So you, you, you can't be surprised at answers like that because yeah. love was not bestowed upon him when he was growing up, so you can't show it. Right, and because so to... lo- love itself or the showing of love and affection was, you know, then a sign of weakness and, exactly. and, 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 and that, you know, by showing me love and showing me affection um, would mean that you would see that and take advantage of me as a parent. But now that you're putting it in that perspective, you know, definitely I lived with disciplinarians, my mother and my grandmother, right? But I experienced Mm -hmm. a type of love with my grandmother and, you know, you know, my husband, Nico keeps saying the man name and the family spoil me because they showed me (laughs) love. And, And I was like, no, they didn't spoil me because they didn't give me anything. But, you know, after Emma tell me this so much years, I understood no, and I can make it real based on what you're saying they gave me so much love and confidence that i moved through my life as if this is just normal this is what's supposed to happen right because and and that's and that's speaking to a confidence that i wouldn't have labeled it confidence it was just like no 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 this this not normal feel <laughs> like i don't know <laughs> And and, yeah. and I think it's very important. And I also look at the juxtaposition against my brother. I don't think my brother and my father had the same relationship like I have with my father. Granted, mm-hmm. I was older. So I keep telling this story where, you know, in 1992, I was staying with my father because I live out at White House. And my father said, come, come put on your clothes. And, and, and the, that relationship, if you tell anybody, is like, a man and him son are flex them way. But that's why him flex with me. Come put on your clothes. And before you know it, me their son splash. I take him, yeah. you know. And, <laughs> and he would talk and he would say certain things around me and have very conversations where I would feel like I'm our next big man and bridge in a talk and he make me know a road code, as them say, right? Yeah. And it's, it's that love and that relationship he had, you know, I, I can't say I don't remember him saying I love you because I'm pretty sure he did, but it was in that action of making me say like, oh, yeah, you're li- not a little girl. Like, you, you know what I mean? It was more like, yeah. come, yeah, uh, all right, may I go yeah. par, may I go do this. I, I felt his love. So I think to your point, when it's a reflection of you, he wanted me to feel the type of love and protect me in a way that yeah. had nothing to do with him beating me. Because I say to this day, none of the men in my family ever disciplined me, ever, ever. And it's yeah. like the, the rod itself wasn't necessarily a physical belt. It was the staff mm-hmm. with the hook that pull you in if you're yeah. gone too far. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, uh, I don't uh, know about. Yeah, yeah. So I love the way you say it because it instantly it connects, you know, and it's, yeah. it's, it's like you said, you know, in there are points in your life when you look at the sequence and somebody else makes meaning. So thanks to to you to help me make meaning of that and the country. Yeah, man. Be, yeah, but we have to. We, we have to, but as a culture, you know, it's very hard because the way our yeah. parents parented is also how for them parents. So my grandmother gets it from my great-grandmother and so forth and so forth, right? So it's very mm-hmm. hard to break that culture of, of how you parent a child. And, and, mm-hmm. and I think for me, I had no choice but to parent my child differently, especially when I live in America. There's a certain things you cannot do. But you yeah. also know that there were certain things that happened for you that you know can't work with you and a child. Bottom line. Right. 
because right. um my son Ethan, you know, sometimes he said things I'm said, you know, say if may fear age, I couldn't even respond to my mother like that. But I, I realized that I have to give him the confidence to be able to speak up for himself because in a place where you go work and, you know, you, you respect authority to the point where you don't speak up for yourself, that's an issue. Right. And I think what, what you've just said kind of really puts a lot of stuff that we've talked about on this show in perspective that we have to be mindful of our actions because they have lasting impact and yes, you know, does, yeah. on on ourselves because mm. you know, and our kids. So, all right. So let's talk about. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so many things here. All right. So you've had no a Jamaican experience. You've had a European experience, and now you mm-hmm. have a North American experience. Yes. Tell me how those experiences. So we, we hear how Mr. Clark and the Jamaican experience kind of shape you. Talk a little bit about the European experience because not many of us get to live in Europe and the opportunities you had. So tell me a little bit more about the influence of living in Europe and how that has helped shape you to be or help you evolve to be the person you are today. Well, okay. <clears throat> the Europeans are a bit more reserved. They are, they are mannerable people and um consider it now i don't know if it is because you know the history of europe is really war torn mm. you know a, a lot of wars and um crazy king and... Um, right right you know so they grow with a particular type of of, of pride that is not um that is not enveloped in arrogance so it's it's it's, it's more like you more like, you more become a gentleman in Europe. You you speak properly. You 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 learn how to to carry yourself accordingly. You dress differently. That is just something about Europe. You, you drink the finest wine. They teach you how to taste wine. They teach you how to, to really and truly be a part of what they would call the moral elites of society. How to conduct yourself in the real world. Mm. So that was really and truly the grooming point and. The, another form of confidence now got, got placed there because my coach was from Norway and he was like, no, Mark, you, you can't wear the jeans to go to this place. We're going to be meeting Prince Albert. You can't be wearing these jeans. And this man invited the entire Bobsled team to his palace and you can't be wearing that. You, you have to dress and look the part. So this is what we're going to do. I'm going to have my tailor come over and we're going to take your measurement and we're going to put you in a fine suit. So it, it was really because now that is giving you another thing to be like, okay, maybe I was in a particular environment too long. So how do I adapt to this change? But I was always willing to, to accept change. You know, in, in life, things prefer to stay still. And again, that comes back with being comfortable. Mm. So I was like, hey, listen, I like this movement. And I see where it, where it has, it, 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 it begins to, to have this influence of me becoming more manly um, in terms of my attitude, in terms of conflict of resolution. You need to behave like a man. You don't need to be speaking aloud if you're having a, a difference with someone. It was different, really and truly different. So when I went back to Jamaica, I was a totally different person at age 21 
because I was traveling from I was 19. So we used to do all these long stretches in Europe, six months and back to Jamaica. So when I went back, it was like, okay, I, it feels as if I'm, I've outgrown this place. Not physically, but mentally. Mm -hmm. I've outgrown this place. So this was good. Then America, oh my God. <laughs> the first thing I recognized when I came into the United States was the high level of insecurity. Loaded. There's a lot of insecurity here. In the children, in the parents, in everything. There's a lot of insecurity. And a lot of defensive mechanism even when there is nothing in it you, you, you can't look at a person without them asking what are you looking at man you, you, you know what the whatsoever you're looking at you don't know me when you look you, you know so you reckon okay i mean how do i maneuver the only way to maneuver for me then was to say look i have to understand the history of this place and i have to understand the impact that capitalism have on these people and with that it becomes very individualistic it's everyone for themselves they don't care about the other person and that is the reason why they may be behaving that way because the leaders demand so much of life that these people really don't have it to give so they become very bitter and you know callous and cold and everything in one everything in one it's not different it is not that different from Jamaica, but in Jamaica, we are more friendly and we are more open. We are more, we, we share more, we like to call and, yo, me I cook some food, you know, dumping our mackerel, you know, run run over and, mm. right, you know, you, you don't get that here, you know. But it, it, it is just to put them in sequential fashion to understand that, okay, I had to be a part of all of these things in order to be where I'm at now. I have an understanding of it, and that is very important. That word, understanding, is very important to understand because what you have to do is separate yourself from it and just observe. And that right. was what I had to do. Listen, you just, what you just said a while ago, I, I literally wrote down a question. I said, this is what I want to focus on. And then you mentioned about the high level of insecurity in the U.S., and then when you talk about separate yourself from it, you know, um, how, how do people separate themselves as something that is so ingrained in their daily life? And, you know, it's how do you get people to pause? But first question, high level of insecurity about what? What was what what's the high level of insecurity that you notice? The insecurity is within themselves. Mm. It's, a, it's the oppression, the oppressiveness, the, the beaten down. Whether they're getting it from school or they're getting it from their environment, maybe from home, it, 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 is, it is very engraved within them. So they become very bitter. You know, you can't conversate with them. You can't look at them. What are you looking at? You know, it, it has to be coming from somewhere. Mm -hmm. It's not like us in Jamaica when somebody is looking at us, we automatically may give a smile and think that, yo, in life, or she like me. They don't think like that here. It's like, yo, what the, what the whatsoever, whatsoever you're looking at? It's very defensive. And cold. But then I understand the terminology when some people are xenophobic. You know, and maybe they are just in that realm where that fear that has been instilling them not to trust anyone. You know, not to take anyone lightly. Mm. You know, and, and we, we can see that in the politics too. How, how they try to use hominems to discredit a person's character. So they are creating that mistrust. And it gets, it gets spilled over in society. Mm -hmm. 
it makes them feel comfortable having that form of distrust. It gives them a far, like, like we would say, some people just love to hear. Yeah. They don't know why they're hating, but they just love to hear. And that is what I saw here. I mean, I don't, I don't dislike them, but the behavior mm-hmm. is a cause for concern 99.9% of the time. So I had to separate myself from that because remember, um, <clears throat> one of the first things, Mr. Fisher, Alric Fisher, big respect. He was a physics teacher and he said to me, one of the first laws of physics is it doesn't matter how positive you are. If you are around negative, you are going to become negative. And a lot of people try to think like that doesn't make sense, but it does. Because if you look at the car battery, and I'm breaking this down now in theory, if you look at the car battery, the negative, the negative charge is the most important charge on the battery. Mm-hmm. So you can see where the physics work. Because if the negative does not try to become positive, the car will not start. It will not start whatsoever. That is how important the negative is. So we have to be careful and be aware of ourselves in order not to accept because these negatives can really seep into your mind unconsciously and you become that person. Yeah. I, you know, you right be- before we come on this call and I was talking to a friend, I said, you know what? This is this is the power of this, you know, this thing. Because after we after you're done make your commitment, you find yourself a pullback in because they do certain things and you, you know, there's the, you know, the grass look green up on the other side, but you still have to water it, you have to mow the lawn, you have to make sure mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. not have weeds enough for them backyard, cause the weeds can get to a coming up for your backyard. So even if you de- tend to the grass, you de- cut it. I either put whatever you need for do for make your weed be gone and your thing. If your neighbor, if especially here in New York when backyards are close together, if the neighbor not treat for them backyard with the same level of care that you are, the weeds are gonna come under the fence and start coming yep. out of your yard. Yes, ma'am. So yeah. what I wanted to the question I wanted to ask you. Two things came to mind. There's this book called Steal Like an Artist. And I'm gonna tell you why I bring it up, right? How how can we find the artists within? And I don't mean artists, people you forgot and start do artwork like Mark or paint, right? <laughs> if that's what you can do, do it and I encourage you to do whatever. But the artists within, I'm talking that creative spirit because when I found that creative energy, I realized that I had this creative side of me. Because a lot of times growing up, being an artist wasn't something that was nurtured, you know, and everybody could be. Cecil or Edna or whoever else, right? But it wasn't necessarily create um, nurtured. So how can we tap into our creativity, that artist within, whether it is whatever creative work you want to do? And the reason why I say steal like an artist, a lot of times, and this is a lot of, uh, again, from the cues we got growing up, right? Don't copy what somebody else had do. Somebody else already had do that. Find something else for do. And so there was mm-hmm. this book called Steal Like an Artist, which basically said all of the artworks were inspired by other people. So there's mm-hmm. a difference between the labeling of copycats, because there's such a thing versus inspired by. So yeah. how can we nurture that creative spirit and not be insecure that it's like when you started out, you 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 weren't the person you are now. So right. how do we keep that insecurity at bay 
what do we need to do, you know, to get more positive charge, you know, like yeah. let's talk a little bit about, because what you're saying and what I'm taking from this is having a creative balance. You were able to, you, you had the creative outlet, but you had all of these very stimulating intellectual experiences and balancing both of them to have really a full experience. So how can we tap more into that creativity, nurture it, no worry about it or be too insecure about it so we can grow and blossom and then figure out how we can put some of that in our pitney and right. people around us. Right. Well, well, one of the first things is to get away the ego. Mm. That is one of the first things. I, I don't know how to tell someone to get away from the ego. I don't know. Because give me an ego example not... of an ego. Get away. Like what kind of ego? Like give me an example of a thinking that's the ego and you need to. Okay. Okay, in order for my art teacher, I'm going to use him as a reference. He always said to me, your work needs to be so good. It must not have an ego. And I was like, okay, okay, um, teach. What, what do you mean by that? He said, your work needs to be so good to the point where even if your name is not on it, somebody can look at it and say, that is a Mark Anthony Hill. It has to be that good. The only way you're going to achieve that, you have to get the ego out. And the ego was the name because the name is our first form of identity. And plenty of artists revel in that. The minute they get famous, they just do some crap and they assign their name on it and that is what you're paying for. And that is also within clothing and that is also within anything else pertaining to fashion. You're paying for the name. That is their ego. So they are not making it good anymore because of the ego. So I had to get rid of that, the ego. So when I do the work, my ego is out of it. I just follow where the paint goes and where the brush goes. I just follow. I don't question it. I just follow. And I'm going to say, no, 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 no. This, no, this is not supposed to go. Yes, no, I just flow with it because I'm not, the ego is not on my left shoulder anymore. Mm. I am a normal person now. So I had to work on that. And then the understanding of yourself. You have to understand yourself. Whether you are a warmonger, you have to understand what is creating this war path within me. And if you're a peacemaker, you have to understand what is creating this peaceful path within me. So the understanding of self is also very important. And then you apply that with the belief of having confidence in your ability. The minute you can do all three, then there is no reason to even bother or to wonder why people will say this or will say that. Because we all have to understand whatsoever answer we are getting from a particular person or an individual, that is the answer that they would have best told in whatsoever it is they're doing. So they're just giving you their part to say, well, you're, you're selling a work for $35,000. What makes you believe you're going to get $35,000 for it? Because I know that there is a buyer out there who is willing to spend $70,000 for it. Mm -hmm. And I believe in my product. So oftentimes, if you're not believing in your product, you're going to devalue yourself. And the devaluation of yourself will project into everything else. So we all have to put everything in one basket. Then we compartmentalize and break them down in theory. So I can speak for me in terms of doing that. It wasn't easy. Because we, I, I have to go back in something what they call corrective script. So when you're going through any form of trauma, 
or, or, or what we would call counseling. That is one of the first um, aspects of the counseling. The counselor will go to the corrective script because we are going to go back mm-hmm. to see where this insecurity came from. Where, uh, where this oh, Right. So that was also very important for me as well in order to get somebody to understand that, look, these are the necessary steps you will have to take. And I can tell you, it's not easy. Mm-mm. It's not easy. And it's very emotional because you're going back to rehash mm-hmm. a lot of negative, a lot of things you believe you should have seen, but for some apparent reason you didn't. And you will tend to hold yourself responsible yourself for, it. for it. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Because what, one of the easiest things to do is to forgive others. Can't one of the hardest things to do is to forgive yourself. yourself. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? So it's a procession. It's not just one thing. It's a procession, you know? It yeah. worked for me. So I can only say, well, Kerry, this is what works for me. You can try it. It may not work for you, but that does not mean you're not going to achieve what is it you want to achieve. Because we all know three plus three is six, but so does five plus one. one. Which, yeah, we just read two. six, right. <laughs> We just reach it differently, but yeah. it will have the same outcome in the long run. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and on top of that, on, on top of what you're saying too, it's the time. So you, you just gave, you just made a list of certain things, but it is the reality that this takes time. And when you said time, you know, time means a lot of things for you. It could have been five years to some, it might be longer, shorter. And I think, we we are we're trying to race to this point because we feel like once we get to this point then we can get to another point and from everything that you've seen all of these experiences are interconnected the lessons boil over into another experience um and i think sometimes it's very hard to to really grasp how important time is and to be kind to ourselves to let the process take its time you know, you, you know, you can't turn up the fire, you know, like I was talking to my brother-in-law and we we're talking about my niece baking a cake and him say, she turn up the stove, like you go cook the something faster. Yeah, we cook it faster, <laughs> but you're not going to cook it good, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and that's important. You know, you can, you can turn up the fire, make it hot and we cook fast, but will the chicken fry all the way through that, you know, when you cut into it, it's it properly cooked. And I think, Going back to your point of, you know, the, the age that we live in and in America, everything is fast. You want it quick. We want it quick. <laughs> we, we don't always want to spend the time doing the corrective script because I will leave work. And, it's a lot of work. And, and even it's to, yeah, and to unpack and then for everything you unpack, you have to, un- you know, have to unpack the things that bubble up a little bit more before you can go unpack the next thing. So uh, it's a lot of work, but I'm really enjoying this conversation because, you know, a lot of times we just move through life and we... Unaware. unaware. Yes, yes, yes. So unaware. And I'm at a point where I'm trying to just pause and just being, just, just, just be still for a little bit because you're so busy moving that you're just reacting. And, I, and, I, and, and when, when I feel like I'm reacting, it's like, me no know myself anymore. So I just want to be still and <laughs> be conscious of what is happening. Like, be conscious of what I'm saying. Being conscious of the things that I'm doing and being okay with it. Because, like somebody said, I may have to live with it. And 
and the ego part we are talking about, I think that's going yeah, to man. be the hardest thing mm. because mm. it's I can easily say, no, I'm not do that because I don't want my name associated with that. And and yeah. and in terms of quality, right? Yeah. But when you when 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 you talk about people just have put out things out there just for the sake of putting it out. Explain a little bit about the difference between, well, this is my brand and I want a good quality brand. And so I'm not going to put my name on a sub, subpar quality product versus somebody says, but, but, I can give you, I can give, give you an example. Perf- I can give you a perfect example. Perfect. And this is, and this is real. <clears throat> that is the reason why you have to believe in yourself and what is it you're doing? Because people who make it in life, they place value on their journey. It's very important. It is the journey that they are looking at. And if they recognize that you're not going to take your own journey, then why would they believe in you or your product? Mm. It's an automatic turn off. No. This artist, not going to save me. He did an exhibition in Boston, and this lady came there, simple-looking lady, but she was very wealthy, and he had a work there that she loved dearly, and he wanted 4000 US dollars for the work. The lady took the work and wrote him a check for $40,000, and he, within himself, looked at the check when the lady was leaving, and he called her back, and he said, Ma'am, you have made a mistake. I said $4,000. And you gave me 40. The lady took back the check, ripped it up, and gave him back the, the artwork, and said, if it's only for $4,000, then it can't be that good. Mm. And now, this is where we're at again. Mm. The importance of believing in yourself. And because he didn't believe in himself, he sold himself short. Mm-hmm. And she decided that, look, I don't want it. If you don't believe in your own craft, then I don't want it. Mm. So, it's, so it's very important. If, you're, if you know within yourself that, listen, this is what I want. I can give you umpteens of stories. In 1958, Robert Rauschenberg sold a painting for 900 US. Now in 1958, 900 US is a lot of money. money. However, he sold it to a, to a billionaire, Robert Skull. Now the Skulls were billionaires because they were the ones who controlled the taxi industry. Only for Robert Rauschenberg to found, find out that Mr. Skull bought the work for $900 and he placed it on an auction and got $85,000 for it. Mm. Now, what created that problem? Robert Rauschenberg didn't believe in himself. Mm-hmm. So he sold himself short. And then he went to the auction and abused, physically abused Mr. Skull. Mm. So these are the things that we can look at and learn from it. We have to place value not only in our product, but if the value is there within yourself, it is going to follow you. And people will treat you according. Yeah. But if you're, but if you're going to sell yourself short, then come on now. You, mm-hmm. you can't expect them to look at you with value. Come on now. Whatever you're doing, even your talk show, it's not for everyone, but you still have to maintain that value because you're going to have that little niche of mm-hmm. maybe two, three, four million followers who, who understand your value and they like you. But you may have a next 100 million who don't and it is okay. But and you still absolutely. can't allow the, man, the majority 
who don't have the value in your stuff to overpower your thinking, for you to say, you know what, I think I need to scale down. Then that means you have lost. Mm-hmm. You have lost. As Marcus Garvey would have said, if you have no confidence in yourself, you're twice defeated in the race of life. But with confidence, you have won before the race even started. That is some powerful stuff. Yeah. So you have to create that value. You have to push yourself in that valuable, as that valuable product that you know this is not your want to have. You need to have this. It's a matter yeah. of need. Yeah. This is what I'm offering. This is what I'm pushing out. Mm. This is what I'm giving. This is why my product is the best. Yeah. This is why what I'm doing is the best. You have to have that. I'm not saying to be arrogant with it. But you have to find that balance to understand that value takes time. The most important thing, um, well, I wouldn't say the most important thing. One of the most important things you have said since we are, since we are having this conversation, people, people need to understand that if you allow time to take its course, it will work. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? So, so even though your stuff is valuable, it's not going to grow overnight, but I guarantee you, within four to five years, you're going to see the benefits yeah. because the value is taking its rightful course now. Of course, now. yeah. It's moving. Everyone it is, is now understanding. understanding. Right. It's like uh, um, I was, you know, another person I was talking to and my collaborator, I said, you know, we're playing a long game. You know, we're not, we're not doing an o- thing for overnight success. You're playing a long game because you know mm, that, you beautiful. know, you, you, you keep putting in the work, you know, the other day I, I shared an article or something that was done about me. And I said, five years I've been doing this and I've just been putting in the work. I keep doing it over and over again because I believe what I'm going. I, I know why I wanted to start it. I know why I'm continuing it. I know exactly. I'm not doing this to get rich if I get money from, ah. from it, but I'm going to continue. So I know what I'm doing and I know that because I'm playing a long game, I approach things differently. I am not, mm-hmm. you, you know, my, my family's health insurance and my family's survival isn't dependent on this. This is my creative survival. Right. And I yeah. know that in order for my creativity to live, I got to keep nurturing this thing because yeah, my, my first episode to this episode, whichever number it ends up being, is a completely different episode because I've grown so much over the years. And because of that growth, I'm able to do so many other things that at this onset of this, I would not have thought that I would be doing. And that is the beauty of the process. You learn other things and and pick up other skills in the process that, you know, I never think of. You know, you're going and say, oh, I'm going to start this podcast and this is what you thought of. But on the way, Mark, I promise you, there's so many things that I've picked up along the way that I never saw as some things mm. that I would learn or be able to do just because I say I want to start a podcast. And so, like I said, I know that time and, and you get distracted. Cause like you say, you know, everybody on social media and everybody's doing this and, and, and you look at everyone else's highlight reel because you can't avoid it because it's social media, but it comes back to why are you really doing this and what kind of game are you playing? Are you playing a long game? And if you're playing mm. a long game, you just have to just stay in your lane. If you're, if you're the 100 meter, you go go fast like you saying, but are you doing the marathon? Are you do steeplechase? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, yeah, you yeah. saying, can't do no steeplechase. You no. know, 
So it, it's really <laughs> knowing the race that you're in. You're in, and, see? And it, and it, yeah, and, it, and then it comes back to the same thing, the, the understanding. If you want to have that understanding of yourself yeah. and what is it you're about, believe me, because you ask plenty of people these things, do you understand themselves? And they will tell you, yes. And then they'll do something totally yes. crazy and then you'll be like, okay. Mm, I, uh, okay, cool. No, but it goes back to, you know, um, the positive and negative charge and how much, you know, you're, you know, if you ever, you ever see like somewhere in a, some movie, somebody's in a crowd of people and they can't really move on their own because they're moving with a crowd. And even if yeah. you want to go or make your own way because you're in this massive crowd, you have no choice. You know, like, or, or even a better example, the birds, when they're in a flock, the birds fly one way, they all follow, and they, they fly in this formation. So which one of the birds are going to break out and fly in one different formation? It's very hard. And so, you know, when I talked about, you know, stopping, there's a self-awareness that we have to, at some point, realize that, okay, we've been moving unconsciously, We, you know, even in our conscious state, and can we pause and see what we're doing mindlessly? following some method or pattern that we need to stop Mm -hmm. before we can move on. Because I think that's the first step, you know, like, like I said, I know where you keep, you're so busy and you're getting caught up in the day to day and you realize, no man, the day I get where from, I mean, if you stop like a bit and see what me just do, well, and, and, you know, it it takes that. And if we can't do that, we're going to keep making decisions on autopilot because, we just we, we we don't take time to pause and reflect um on what we're doing reflection and part of being an artist too which is kind of why creativity is so important there's an aspect of reflection that happens that we don't get taught um how right. to be reflective because we me loves i love silence you see after me don't talk to you me go sit down and me just not go say nothing for the rest of the day i like silence i like sitting by myself i like being in thought and culturally that doesn't that's not something a lot of us can do or encourage <laughs> to do right yeah. we, we need to always be around somebody we need to always be engaging with someone yes we are social creatures but we also need to take the time to reflect because if we don't reflect we can't learn from the mistakes that we've been we, we've done like little mistakes and then how mm-hmm. do we improve on that and move forward? And, you know, the moments of reflection happens over a period of time and we have to meet with a therapist and go through our corrective script because yeah, 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 we don't yeah. take smaller pauses throughout the courses of our days, weeks, months, and years to reflect on behavior. And then by the time we get to a certain point, it becomes so damaging to ourselves. So I, I really mm-hmm. enjoy this conversation because I think what you you have shown is that uh, we talked about an onset you're either reinventing or you're evolving evolving yes and and how you evolve you're shedding an old way of life you know you you take the experience with you but you don't operate the same you know you don't operate the same right 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 right, right. higher level because it's still with us, you know. Of the course old it is. way, it, right? The old way is still with us. So what we're trying to do with the old way is to gain control of it. You know, we are trying to gain control of the old way so it doesn't interfere with the process of where we want to go, or, or on the journey of where we want to go. But we are aware of it and we have control of it. Very important because 
Mm. Plenty cannot, plenty people cannot shake the person who they were. Mm. They can't. You know, and it interferes with everything. Again, I may understand that position, so I may, I may speak to them differently, knowing that they are struggling to really and truly become what they would want to call better, or for lack of better word, whatever they want to call it. I may understand, and it may not affect me, mm-hmm. because I understand. You know, so I, I always try to make it be known that, look, I was once at their position. I know the struggle. It, it's just something that I conquered it. They may not conquer it, but I still have that understanding and patience, you know, in order to deal with whatsoever may come. You know, I try not to fight stuff, Kerry. Put it that way. You know, if, if I get a ticket, I don't worry about it. I just pay. Yeah. And just, yeah, that, that is me. And it, it works for me to accept things as they are. The acceptance is also another. It, I, I mean, there are many stages. There are, there are so many stages because I am trying to reach the onion. I want to become that onion. The others are why? Because the onion is the only vegetable that has so much layers. Mm-hmm. You can peel it off and peel it off and peel it off. And, 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 and every, right, and every layer has the potential to make you cry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that is my, my, my thing. I, I want to be that onion. You know, whether it's a cry of joy or it is a cry of sadness because maybe I shouldn't have said that, but I can forgive myself and move on and I learn from it and say, okay, I'm not going to say that again and we move on. So that is my aim to be that onion. Yeah, because you know, I, we talk, yeah, cause we talked about this yesterday. There's a lot of things that we need, we hold on to that we feel let go. Yeah. You know, we, have to, we have to let some of those things go because yes. to, to your point, they get in the way of where we want to go. So we have to, to go. get control of yes. it. Yes, we have yeah. to get control. It's, it's all about control. We are aware of it. We have not forgotten about it, but we have control of the situation. And that is very important, you know? Control of self is very important. Yes, <laughs> yes, it is. So as, <laughs> as we wrap up, anyone listening to this episode, what is two things of all the things we said what are two things you want people to come away with and move forward in their life what are two key pieces of advice you want to give it is it is it is okay to be yourself and it is also okay to know what you're about those are the two Mm. it may sound similar but it is not the same it's It's okay okay to be to be yourself and it is okay to know what you're about. What's Mr. the Clark difference between Mr. Clark told me that years ago. Years ago. It took me a while to figure it out, but I did. Mm. You know, that, that, that is something that the, the, the listeners will take with themselves and they'll figure it out. Okay. I, 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 I can't tell them. <laughs> he didn't tell me. <laughs> He didn't tell yeah, you, but that's go, the thing. No. You have to figure it out. It's yeah, I figured it out and I went back to him and I said, I got it. I unlocked it. And he was like, what? And I told him and he was like, you know, I'm glad you came back. You know, I'm glad. And, 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 and then that proves that nothing goes through one ear and goes through the other. Yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. It's, okay, it's okay to be yourself, but it's okay too to know what is it you're about. Yeah. Trust me. Powerful stuff. Yeah, mega panda it. 
<laughs> like a fun powerful night. Powerful stuff. Yeah, powerful stuff. Yeah, yeah. The first one, the about. first one I'm good with. The first one I'm good <laughs> with because I've been I've been processing this a lot for the last, you know. The second one, <laughs> me think me know that, but me go plan it. And if you think you know, you, it, it, it's going to keep refining and iterating. Oh, okay. There you, you know, go. You know, move through. You, there you, know, you go. Yeah. Yeah. Me get it. Yeah. Me get it. Me get it. Yeah. Well, Mark, thank you for being a guest on the show. I really enjoyed this conversation. I love, love, you know, the evolution. I love the story. I love the transition because... You know, and something for the audience. Yes, he's an artist, but the story was just all the more captivating. That's where the good nuggets are, the the the, the push and pull of life and the tension and the struggles. That's where the beauty comes from, you know. And and I really appreciate you sharing your story with me. And um, good luck. Best I said good luck because you say your work, you value your work. Congrats on the artwork at the Harlem. Um, What's the event again? Renaissance. Renaissance. And, you know, much success in the future. I'm extremely happy for you. And um, we'll catch up. All right. And until next time, walk good. You've been listening to Carry On Friends, a show about the Caribbean American experience. We post new episodes every two weeks. And if you want to learn more, buy merchandise or sign up for a newsletter, check out our website, carryonfriends.com. You've been listening to Carry On Friends, a show about the Caribbean American experience, produced by Breadfruit Media. We post a new episode every two weeks on Tuesday. And if you're looking to learn more, buy our merch, or sign up for a newsletter, check out carryonfriends.com. Or find us on all social media platforms at Carry On Friends.